in case six, I am uh, inviting us to go into the early modern Mediterranean where Shakespeare set so many of his plays. Uh, and I'm through through um, anchoring that case in the play Othello. I'm asking us to think with Shakespeare about what um, the English were learning about North Africa, about Italy, about the Ottoman Empire, and Europe. Um, and um, and I'm also inviting us to think about both real and imagined geographies, right? So Shakespeare's, we know, always setting things in Italy, uh, but this play in particular is is getting us to a question of what what did he know about, how was he weaving together these ideas of Africa, the barbarian, the Turk, all both real and imagined figures in, his, in, in the time period, um, and, and um, with what kinds of imaginative generosity was he exploring that region of the world, and with what kinds of stereotypes or commonplaces was he also freighted, right? Um, so there are, in that case, a number of images of figures from around the world, what you might call a kind of um, ethnographic kind of depiction of figures from around the world. So Vicellio's costume book is right there in the center of the case. Um, and that's a book that was um, first published in 1598 in Venice. And it shows all the clothing of the ancient and modern world. The, the picture that's open there is to the figure of a noble moor. And one of the things that, one of the useful things that Shakespeare thinks with is this category of the moor. The moor, um, scholars tell us, particularly Emily Bartels has argued, is this notoriously indeterminate character, figure. We're not sure when a moor is supposed to be of Africa. We're not sure when a moor is supposed to be a, a Turk. Um, the, these these figures were very flexible, so elastic that they were both good to think with, but also um, dangerous in a way because it, it, they, it could produce a sort of really binarized way of thinking about self and other. So this figure that Vicellio puts in his costume book of the noble moor is, uh, is and isn't a paradox of thought in the period. So. Uh, the noble moor is um, a figure who, like Othello at the beginning of the play, who impresses everyone with his oratory, right, and tells a story about having wooed Desdemona almost by mistake as she overhears him tell his stories of his travels and his travails. He also, I think, wins us because he gives such a um, oration in the first act of that play to the Venetian, um, to the Venetians who are concerned that he's stolen Desdemona in the middle of the night and married her against her father's will. That um, what Shakespeare's doing there is, I think, folding Othello into that longer idea of the noble moor. And then we watch tragically as this play allows Iago to direct us to another idea, which is about jealousy and the more, um, and is about um, the appetite, actually, of Desdemona, the sexual appetite of the Venetian woman, kind of connected up with the jealous more, becomes a real um, 
friction point for Iago's deceptions in the play. So, um, so in that case, what you're looking at is not only um, you see the ways in which the costume book more kind of slides off that costume book and up onto the edges of maps, like in the John Speed map of Africa. Um, in earlier medieval maps, those figures were in the geography. They were on the map of Africa. Um, and as Renaissance um, cartography develops, those figures get pushed to the edge. And you get both ethnographic description and descriptions of place. So Speed's map is a brilliant, I think, illustration of that. Um, and we also have in that case uh, the, uh, the history of the Turks, Knowles' history of the Turks. Uh, one of the reasons that I, had, I opened up to the frontispiece of that book is because I don't think, looking at it, we would come away with any sense that there's a terrible conflict at stake here. You have on the left-hand side a figure of a Christian who I think we know mostly because there are crosses on his shield, and on the right we have a figure of a Turk who we mostly know because there are some um, sickle moons on his shield. But for a major um, you know, conflict, political, religious, and um, geographic conflict, just as an aside, if you look at a map of the Ottoman Empire and you look at Europe in this period, it's very clear who's, who's winning the empire <laughs> wars. So uh, when you look at both of those figures side by side, it's a very static encounter. It's not a lot of gripping violence. Um, and that book itself is very, um, I wouldn't say balanced, but there is a braiding between admiration, um, interest, and aversion and uh, distaste um, for the Turks in the East, um, which I think is interesting to remember that, that, that any commonplace about cultural others usually has its counterpoint in a kind of um, admiration, a curiosity, um, a respect even. Um, we certainly know that in the early modern period, plenty of people um, in Europe turned Turk, and not just by force. Um, so that the, the, the readerly interest in that book and the expansion of it over um, the 17th century, I think, tells us that that was also true.